Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Lord, you were that precious Lamb that was sacrificed in my behalf for my sins, for the sins of the world. Behold the Lamb. And it would have meant nothing if you didn't rise again. If you weren't a living Savior, it would have meant nothing. So Lord, we worship you this morning. We lift up your name. What a wonderful Savior we have. What a wonderful God that we have. There is no other God like you. And we worship you this morning and we lift up your name this morning. Lord, this morning we pray that you would open up our hearts, that you would open up our minds, that we would listen to you in your spirit as you speak to us this morning through Pastor Rick. May we go from here changed people because of what you have said to us this morning. For it's in the precious name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I'm so glad you're here today. Every Sunday, we have the privilege of opening up God's Word, His life-transforming Word, the Word that He uses to change our attitudes and our hearts. We're ending a series today. We've spent three months looking at King David, the teenage shepherd who was anointed the king of Israel at a very young age. He was a musician and a warrior whose reputation skyrocketed once he defeated Goliath. David walked with God. David listened to God and knew the Lord as his shepherd. In fact, you might say as you read his history that he delighted in God's presence. Yet, but, there's always one of those, right? There were times that David did not listen. He rebelled, and his unfaithfulness brought horrific consequences for him, his family, and his nation. When this happened, though, the good thing, the thing that set him aside is that, well, David also modeled for us what genuine repentance looks like. So as we look over these weeks, as we've opened up mostly Old Testament books, we've seen that David has taught us much. 
I think many of us have been inspired and some of us even convicted. Now David is ready to meet his maker, his shepherd. And what he wants to do is share his last words with his son Solomon. I think you're going to be encouraged. Let's pray. Father, we come before you. We recognize that you've given us your word and examples all the way through it of folks who have listened to you and some who have not. You've given us opportunity, Lord, to get to know you through the scriptures. We are so grateful that you loved us, so grateful that you sent your son down to die in our place, so grateful that those who have received your free gift of salvation, although it cost you your life, we can be called the sons and the daughters of God. God, that's crazy. And how much you loved us and how much you cared. We are so grateful. We are so grateful that we have a church, that we have a body of believers, that we have an opportunity, Father, to be able to gather together in praise and to take communion and to hear from you. We pray your spirit would be so active today. We pray, Father, that it would, that the spirit would help us understand Areas in our life that need to change. Or places, Father, that you're pleased and we can be grateful. Lord, we pray for many of the churches right in our area. Specifically, we pray for Lifebridge and we pray for Northbridge and we pray for Fierce Church. We pray for those congregations and we pray that your word would go out and we pray, Father, that your church would be strengthened, that your kingdom would come. We pray, Father, for all those who are teaching downstairs. We pray for our kids, that they would hear your word and respond. We are so grateful, Father, for those faithful ones. We ask you now, God, to do a special work in us again. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you would turn your Bibles to 1 Chronicles chapter 28. It's not really a popular book. You may have to look into your uh, index there. But it's 1 Chronicles chapter 28. And we'll be spending most of our time in 1 Chronicles 28 and 29. Now David knows his time is coming to an end. Not all of us know when our time is coming to an end. Some of us have hints, but David knew. And so what he does, chapter 28, verse 1. David summoned all the officials of Israel to Jerusalem, the leaders of the tribes, the commanders of the army divisions, and other generals and captains, the overseers of the royal property and livestock, the palace officials, the mighty men, and all other brave warriors in the kingdom. You get the picture. The king gathers all of Israel's leaders.
find out if this mic works in just a moment. There, <laughs> there we go. We'll find out in just a moment that David is going to focus in some areas that are just really, really important. So he gathers everybody. He, he's again on his way out. So he gets all of the leaders of Israel. But he also gets Solomon. The son he's going to hand the crown over to. That's who he's going to talk to. But in these verses that follow, these next few verses, David reminds these leaders of God's faithfulness. We're not going to read them. I'm going to ask you to read those later. But it's so important that as he gathers them together, he starts off and begins to proclaim who God is. A little bit of what we're going to do tonight at our soup and praise. We're going to gather together and we are going to focus on God's faithfulness. How wonderful, how big God is. And leaders will do this over and over and over again. And David did this. He also reminded all these leaders of his clear anointing. He reminded them that God put him here for a reason. And then he reminded them that Solomon was God's choice for the king. Then he gives them one charge. He gives them one sentence. Look at chapter 28, verse 8. So now David says, with God is our witness. And in the sight of all of Israel, the Lord's assembly, David says, I give you, you leaders and Solomon, this charge. Be careful to obey all the commandments of the Lord your God. So that you may continue to possess this good land and leave it to your children as a permanent inheritance. He says this, be careful. God's word is powerful. There's a tendency to be casual about it. He says, you leaders and Solomon, be careful when you open this up, when you read this. Make sure that this is something that you read carefully. You don't take it casually. But be careful to obey just some of the ones that you like. No. All. All of your Lord's commandments. Now, David could say that because he knew what it meant not to obey. He knew the misery that would follow. He knew that he couldn't just pick and choose. And so he reminds them, all, oh, everything, everything in this book is so important. Our God loves you. Our God wants you to thrive. Our God wants you to blossom, bear much fruit. Enjoy this abundant living. You need to listen to your God. He also said there's going to be some great benefits if you do. You're going to continue to live in this great land. And you're going to be able to pass this on to your children. This is a good deal. Listen to God. Be blessed. And pass it on. 
Now, David knew the joy of obeying God. David had experienced God's faithfulness. So he was speaking out of experience. He knew what God's presence meant in his life. In fact, this charge seemed like a pattern. If we look at other leaders, especially even before David, a Moses and a Joshua, but at Moses, in his last words, in Deuteronomy chapter 32, starting at verse 45, when Moses had finished reciting all these words, the whole book of Deuteronomy is what he's talking about. He added, take to heart all the words of warning that I've given you today. Pass them on as a command to your children so they will obey every word of these instructions. These instructions are not empty words, Moses says. They are your life. By obeying them, you will enjoy a long life in the land you will occupy when you cross the Jordan River. Moses had learned it. One of the great leaders of Israel He said, hey, I I just want to remind you, take to heart every word. Don't pick and choose. You will never regret that. Joshua, the leader that took over after Moses, in Joshua chapter 23, his last words. (laughs) So be very careful to follow everything Moses wrote in the book of instruction. Do not deviate from it, turning either to the right or the left. Make sure you do not associate with the other people still remaining in the land. Don't even mention the names of their gods, much less swear by them or serve them or worship them. Rather, listen to this, cling tightly to the Lord your God. And then Jesus While he was here on this planet, he focused much on the power of God's word. He practiced and read God's word. He understood God's word. And in Mark chapter 8 verse 34, he called out to the crowd to join his disciples. And he said this, if any of you want to be a follower, if you want to be one of my disciples, Jesus said, you must give up your own way, take up your cross and follow me. Oh, you've heard that often. But Jesus was saying exactly the same thing. Don't go your own way. Don't do what you think is right. Follow me. Listen to me. Obey me. And one of Jesus' last words, in Matthew 28, Jesus came and told his disciples that were gathered around, he said, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go, or as you go, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And listen to verse 20 here, this next line. Teach these new disciples to Obey all the commands. David talks to this crowd and says, hey, it is really, really important. I'm going to die. I'm going to leave. Every one of you, listen to God's word. Obey it. 
Then, if you could picture this, David then focused his attention to Solomon. Israel's leader is right here, but he kind of looks over at Solomon. And he talks to Solomon, and and you're going to think, I'm I'm almost going to make this up, but I'm not, because we're going to read it. He talks to him about his up relationship, about his relationship with God. If you're part of our church, you understand that we talk a lot about growing in different relationships. The most important primary relationship is your relationship with the Almighty God. Because everything flows out of a healthy relationship with God. It's so unique. He talks about the up relationship. And then he addresses his ministry. Look at chapter 28. Starting at verse 9. And then I'm just going to go to the first part of verse 10. It will be on the screen for you if you'd like to follow. In Solomon, David says, my son... Listen to these words. Learn to know the God of your ancestors intimately. Worship and serve him with all of your heart or your whole heart and a willing mind. For the Lord sees every heart and knows every plan and thought. If you seek him, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. So take this seriously. Solomon, Solomon, Solomon. I've got some words for you. Learn to know your father's God intimately. Now in some of your versions, again, it almost sounds like David is saying, hey, uh, you've had a lot of Jewish ancestry, learn about that God. I actually think in this context, what David is saying, only he says it in third person, which is a little bit crazy. He he just says this, learn to know your father's God. Learn to know my God. And let me also say this, this is in the imperative. This is a command. It's not like, hey, if you have a choice, Solomon, Solomon, I am telling you, the most important thing I can tell you, I'm leaving, I'm gone. Learn about my God. Get intimate with my God. This is a command. Do you hear this? If you don't do this, you will not make it, Solomon. And then he says this, worship Or serve God with all of your heart and with a willing mind. Again, if you look at various translations, sometimes right here it'll be worship. Translated that way. Other times it will be serve. And realistically, the Hebrew word right here really has both of those kind of elements in it. And so almost, you could say, worship, serve, almost it looks like the same thing, God, with your whole heart and willing mind. Very interesting. We would probably say, worship or serve God with all of your heart and soul, with great energy, 
and have a great attitude. Worship and service to a Hebrew went together. Your service is worship. Some of you um, recognize in Psalm 100 verse 2. The psalmist here uses the same word. It, It says this. Worship in some of your versions. Serve in some of your versions. So let's put it together. Worship, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him singing with joy. (laughs) Psalm chapter 2 verse 11. Serve the Lord with reverent fear and rejoice with trembling. Put those together, folks. It, it, it just boggles your mind sometimes. Serve the Lord out of respect. Serve the Lord because he's worthy to be served. And, and then rejoice with trembling. I, I, those words don't normally come together, but it's this, this idea, I respect you so much. I want to do, I want to serve. I want to please you. I'm trembling that I might even do it wrong. And then Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, such a familiar verse to so many of you. In Romans chapter 12, after he gives 11 chapters of how wonderful God is and how God has justified us and how God has sanctified us and how God is going to glorify us. Those are all big words, but it's amazing doctrines. And then he says, in light of all these truths, in light of your great relationship, in light of your wonderful position, chapter 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, Paul says, to give your bodies to God because of what he's done for you. Because of your standing, because of all the grace he's dumped on you. Let your bodies be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Paul says this. He goes, when you understand who God is, when you're saying the blessings that you've received, give your bodies, serve him. With great joy. This is actually worship. You know, not everybody knows Johnny Erickson Tata. But many of you do. And, and this amazing woman uh, actually was paralyzed in a diving accident when she was a young woman. So she was paralyzed from her shoulders on down. But for the rest of her life, and she is still alive, she has been serving and glorifying God in spite of her limited um, mobility. She writes this, and it just stuck out to me. Because I look at a gal that's mostly in a wheelchair. Yes, she can draw with her mouth. Yes, she can speak. Yes, but, but she, to me, she would be so limited, Right? And she writes this, I receive, Johnny writes, enormous satisfaction when I'm serving God with a happy heart. Are you kidding me? She, she is literally, I get enormous satisfaction 
And then she says this. It's so cool. I better do that because it's a command. In Psalm 102, it says, serve the Lord with gladness. And that word serve is an imperative. And those who do not serve God with a glad and willing heart cancel out the benefits of their service. Charles Spurgeon. I find this so unique. She quotes Charles Spurgeon then in this same quote. Charles Spurgeon, a famous, unbelievable, powerful English pastor, speaker. Charles Spurgeon puts it this way. He said, those who serve God with a sad countenance because their service feels unpleasant are not serving him at all. They bring the form of homage, but the life is absent. God does not want slaves to to grace his throne. He wants servants dressed in joy. David says this at the end. He says, take this seriously. Do not forsake him. Do not be unfaithful. He's telling his son. Now, I was thinking about this. I don't know if Solomon was a little bit of a sourpuss. I don't know if Solomon had bad attitude. I don't even know. I mean, he's a prince. He gets everything he wants, basically, and and so on and so forth. But I know this, that David saw fit to say, I've got to address this with you, Solomon. This is really important. Take what I'm saying is serious. Don't forsake God. Be faithful. He's basically saying your worship service needs to be joyful. Do the work that God's given you. Be strong in it. Complete it. Draw your strength from God and joyously serve. You know, I think we all have choices when given the opportunity to serve God. We can say, I don't want to serve you, God, because you have a bad attitude and you lose out. You could change your attitude and serve God with joy, or you can start with joy and a positive attitude. But at this point, David changes his direction and talks to Solomon not about how important it is to know God and be intimate with God and serve this God out of this abundant relationship. He changes his direction and talks about Solomon's mission, what God actually gave him to do. And it's in chapter 28, starting at the last part of verse 10. And this is what he says. The Lord has chosen you to build the temple as his sanctuary. Be strong and do the work. God has gifted you, Solomon. I have prepared this all for you, Solomon. Use your gifts. Be strong and do the work. The Lord has chosen you. Remember, there are a lot of other sons. But no, God chose Solomon. And I look at that in in our church, in the church, God has gifted every believer. God has chosen you. 
God has given you an opportunity to serve him with joy, with the gifts that you have. In First Peter chapter 4, verse 10, the apostle there writes this, use the gift that God has given you joyfully to serve others. You see, so much, especially as a pastor, when newer folks come in or when people call you on the phone or when you you get an email and and, and people want to know, hey, can you tell me a little bit about your church? What does it have to offer? Oh, boy. I I swallow. And I go, "Uh, we have nothing to offer. You should go somewhere else. No, I I don't say that. But realistically, and I know there's lots of questions that we as people, as you're kind of trying to figure out what the right church is for us. But the church has never been about what you can get, just so you know. The church has never been about its amenities. It's about what you can give. There will be seasons of rest in a church. There will be seasons of restoration in a church. I get that. But those are just seasons. There's no such thing as retirement. Now, you can retire. That's not what I'm saying. But sometimes people will say, hey, you know what? I served in... Well, I taught Sunday school for 15 years. If I see another four-year-old, I'm going to puke, you know? And that may be time for you to perhaps change. Okay, I get it. But the truth is, is that there really is no retirement in the church. There's no, hey, I did my share, let the younger people do it. In fact, I... I think, again, every one of us who are here, not only this church, but in every other church, are there for a reason. God has sent you there in order to make an impact, in in order for you to be part of the body, in order for you to use the part that God has given you to glorify him. You know, oftentimes as we recruit or as we talk about ministries or as we ask people to serve, sometimes the response is just no. And I think actually there's some really good reasons for it. I I do. But I know that God has given us certain responsibilities here and certain privileges here. And so sometimes we just keep asking others. God, who are you going to supply? Who are you going to get? You know, many of you know my dad was a pastor. And I learned to recruit or to ask about ministry from my dad. Because he would model for me over and over and over again. He would make asks. He would talk to people. And if no was the response, I saw my dad just ask somebody else. In fact, sometimes the most gifted and skilled aren't the ones who actually serve. It's the ones who are available and joyful. I remember this this one time. Well, I remember lots of times, but this one time when Silver Birch was just in its infant stages. 
And it had not gone to any kind of winter camp yet. That's a, that's a camp that I'm uh, associated with. And I remember my dad telling me and sitting me down and said, Rick, if we're going to have winter camp this year, if we are, we've got to get some insulation in the lodge and we've got to be able to put up a ceiling. I said, okay. How do you know we're going to have winter camp? We've got tons of kids signed up. It's our opportunity. We've got to get this done. And I looked at him as a very smart aleck kind of kid anyway and said, well, how are you going to get it done, Dad? And he just smiled and he goes, wow, I think that's your job. I said, oh, okay. Well, what am I supposed to do? I don't know, but we got to get it done. So I remember this. I was a high school pastor at the time. And the only actually influence I had in the whole world were high school kids. So I started asking high school kids over and over and over, hey, can you take off school and go up to camp? And I'd like you to work about 10 or 12 hours a day. And we need to do this and this and this. And there were some kids that said, yeah, yeah. And then we'd ask their parents and they said, no, no. And go, okay, well, we got to figure this out. Eventually... And I remember it to this day, and as I give tours at Silver Birch, I will walk in this building, and I'll look at the roof. Because there ended up to be four or five guys, not necessarily the most skilled guys, who went up for about a week, had to do extra homework and all the other things. They were joyful, they were happy, we learned how to work together, and we were able to have winter camp that year. I learned back then, God, I don't know who you're going to supply. I don't know who you're going to get. I don't know who's going to lead our water ministries. I don't know who's going to take care of the children. I don't know when you can fill in the blanks. But I know, God, you send people here and we're going to keep asking. And we're going to keep giving opportunity. You know, then after David gives Solomon some of these details, he starts giving some logistics and he talks about his ministry and his work. Actually talking about, hey, you've been called to do the temple thing. This is how you do it. But he kind of wraps up everything in chapter 28, verse 20. So I'm going to read that. 28, 20. Then David continued. Be strong and courageous and do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God, my God, is with you. He will not fail you or forsake you. He will see to it that all the work related to the temple of the Lord is finished correctly. He says, Solomon, Solomon, be strong. All right. This is what you need to do. Here's all the details of getting this temple built, which was a monstrosity. And then he ends up, he goes, I want to remind you again, be strong, be courageous, do the work. Don't be afraid or discouraged. David knew this was coming. He knew all the details. He knew all the laborers that would need it. He knew all the supplies that would need to be gathered. He said, Solomon, God's given this to you. 
Be courageous. Do the work. Don't be afraid. But here's the kicker. For my God is with you. The Lord God, my God is with you. He will not fail you. He will not forsake you. And I think what David was saying, and and hear me here, God's enough. So I don't know all the tasks that I've given you. And I don't know what God has called you to do. But I know this, is that God is going to walk with you. God's going to walk with you. And that was really his last words to Solomon. But as you continue to read through in chapter 29, it talks a little bit more about how all the supplies come in. But in chapter 29, starting at verse 10, with everybody around, David starts praising and praying to God. Let me read it to you. David says this. Oh Lord. The God of our ancestor Israel. May you be praised forever and ever. Yours oh Lord is the greatness. The power. The glory. The victory. And the majesty. Everything in heavens and on earth is yours oh Lord. And this is your kingdom. We adore you as the one who is over all things. Wealth and honor come from you alone. For you rule everything. Power and might are in your hand. And at your discretion people are made great and given strength. Oh our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name. But who am I and who are my people that we could give anything to you. Everything we have has come from you. And we give you only what you gave us. We are here only for a moment. Visitors and strangers in the land as our ancestors were before us. Our days on earth are like a passing shadow. Gone so soon without a trace. Oh, Lord our God, even this material we have gathered to build your temple, to honor your holy name, comes from you. It all belongs to you. I know, my God, that you examine our hearts and rejoice when you find integrity there. You know I have done all this with good motives, and I have watched your people offer their gifts willingly and joyously. Oh, Lord, the God of our ancestors, Abraham and Isaac and Israel, make your people always want to obey you. See to it that their love for you never changes. Father, he says in verse 19, give my son Solomon the wholehearted desire to obey all your commands, laws, and decrees, and to do everything necessary to build this temple for which I have made these preparations. And then verse 20, listen what happens. Then David said to the whole assembly, give praise to the Lord your God. And the entire assembly praised God, the God of their ancestors. They bowed low and knelt before the Lord and their king. Do, do you hear David's heart? 
We, we praise you. You are great God. All we have, you've given to us. It's all because of your grace. And God, we're only here for a short time. Thank you, thank you, thank you for letting us invest. And not only give these leaders the heart to obey you, but give Solomon, my son, a heart to wholeheartedly obey you. I know, God, that's the only way this is going to work. Then David, at the end, as you heard, tells everyone to give praise to the Lord, their God. I don't know if you're like me, but sometimes when somebody tells me to do something, I don't want to do it. I, I know some of you are sitting out there too. But I remember, I, as a junior in college, I transferred into Wheaton College. And I remember for the very first time going into the chapel and having 2,000 other students around, and they begin to praise the Lord. Now, I had been from a smaller church, and even the camp that I was part of had, didn't have any kind of these kind of numbers. And I remember the worship leader at that time said, let's stand and let's raise our hands to God. And I said, no, I'm not going to stand and I'm not going to raise my hands. You know what happened? It didn't take long. And I began to stand and raise my hands. I saw that there were some good things happening. And there was an opportunity for me to be able to praise and honor God in a new, in a fresh way. And the scripture says here, David told them to stand and praise. Sometimes leaders do that. And what happened, they did, and then they bow And they knelt before the Lord, their king. They were so overwhelmed. David instructed. And the people responded. You know, over the years, I'm grateful that I've learned sometimes the hard way to listen and to respond. If I could wrap this up. David's last words. David talks about two important things. In fact, we probably could have just said this and been done with the message. But realistically, if, if you could picture David, someone that loved God with all of his heart, someone that wrote the Psalms, so many of them, Someone who danced in God's presence because he loved God. He said, Solomon, Solomon, I want you to remember two things. I want you to be intimate with God. There's going to be a lot of pressure. There's going to be a lot of responsibilities. But above all, I want you to know God. I want you to know God like I know God. Oh, Solomon, it'll, it'll blow you away. So please, make that a priority. Get to know God. Secondly, 
do the ministry that God has given you with joy. There's going to be hard times. There's going to be times when people don't respond. But, but I want you to remember, God's given this to you. God's given you this opportunity. He will be with you. He will walk with you. Yes, he will. He will never fail you or forsake you. Solomon, he never did that for me. He never failed. He never forsook. Oh, Solomon, I want you to know my God. And I want you to know that the joy you will have in serving him with all of your heart. God has given you this ministry, Solomon. He has. Be strong. Be courageous. God is with you. What's so cool? David knew God. And David knew ministry. He did. He wanted his son to know God like he did. And to serve God. God, because of the joy and the blessing and the fruit. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for David. God, we know so many of his victories and we know so many of his valleys. But one thing we know, (laughs) he knew you. And he understood what walking with you is about. And when he chose to run, Father, he knew how miserable life was. Oh God, would we hear your word today? Would would we receive David's words to Solomon for us? God, you are great. You are great. You're amazing. God, would you receive our praise today? We pray this in your son's name. Amen.